We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Eric Roges, and I'm the Executive Pastor. Today, we'll be learning from Mark chapter 9 as we continue in our series, Masterclass. As Jesus' disciples matured, he began to reveal to them the bigger picture of his ministry on earth. He did not come simply to heal ailments and give wise instructions. He came to sacrifice himself for our eternal salvation and the atonement of sins. The fact that the Son of God came to us to die was difficult for his disciples to understand at first. But Jesus' life, teaching, and message made that truth one of hope, direction, and salvation to them as they continued in their ministry. Now, let's open up scripture to see the bigger picture together. All right, good morning. My name is Brandon Billups. I'm the college and young adults pastor um, here at Rolling Hills, and it is awesome to be out here with you guys um, this morning. I do want to introduce my family to you. I've got a picture um, to show you because not everyone in here knows me. Um, that is my wife, Bridget, who's back over there, but don't look, it'll embarrass her. Um, and then those are my boys, Beckett and Brady, um, uh, who made me a father. They are wild. They're so much fun and so exhausting. They're awesome. Um, happy Father's Day. It is Father's Day. And I don't mean to like meet you this way where I have to like come in and immediately brag um, about myself, but, but I have to do that because I got the greatest Father's Day gift ever. Um, I think it's a Father's Day gift that you only get if you're a very sophisticated, wise father. Um, and so I want to show you um, what that is. I got it yesterday. Um, I know you all have um, probably mugs that say best dad ever. Mine's probably the only one that rings true. It's okay. Don't feel bad about that. But I want to show you what I got for Father's Day. So check this out. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to the future, everyone. I am the only dad on the block rolling around in a hoverboard now. And uh, so that is how I roll. I might be entering into the lamest midlife crisis ever. I don't know what's going on. Pray for me. Um, but that is, what, <laughs> that is what I got from my boys. So... Um, hey, we're in Mark chapter nine. We have been in this series masterclass. We're about halfway, we're our halfway through um, this series now. And I don't know about you, but I have absolutely loved this series. Um, kind of taking a step back and looking at the way Jesus moved his footsteps. Um, he did this and then he did this and then this and like seeing how it all played out from that like, kind of 30,000 um, foot view has been so interesting um, to me because everything Jesus did was intentional and the order he did it in was intentional, right? And so like, I've loved seeing like, oh, here's where he did this miracle. And then, oh, and here's, he's going to purposely do this right in front of the Pharisees. And then he's going to go over here. He's going to heal like all this stuff. Like, it's so cool to see how God is doing this stuff. So I want to give a quick recap of where we are, because um, it's going to set us up for today. So we see Jesus entering the, into ministry, right? And he's doing miracles. He's driving out spirits. He's healing people from sickness. Um, we see him heal. We see him forgive sins. And here's what he's doing. He's claiming authority over all of these things, right? So when he heals, uh, or when he's healing sinners, saying, I forgive sins, he's saying, I've got authority 
over sins. And so he eats with sinners. He say, I've got authority over people's judgments and traditions. And he's questioned by the Pharisees. And he's saying, I've got authority over the law. And um, he's going uh, to calm storms. He's going to say, I've got authority over weather. He's going to raise a girl from the dead. He's going to say, I've got authority over death. He's going to feed the 5,000. I've got authority over matter. He's going to walk on water. I've got authority over gravity. He's going to heal a deaf, a mute, a blind man. He's going to say, I've got authority over um, all of the senses and any kind of sickness that might be there. Here's what Jesus is doing. This is your first blank. Jesus is claiming authority over the world. Jesus is claiming authority over the world. Now, this is going to bring us to chapter eight. And this is chapter eight. We talked about this last week, but it's so interesting because Peter is going to claim Jesus is the Messiah, right? And this is a huge deal because this has been prophesied about. People have been waiting for hundreds of years and Jesus is saying, no, I believe it's you. And then, and then Jesus is going to take a boulder and throw it in the water with all these ripple effects. He's going to predict his death. And, and here's, here's why this is crazy. And this, this is why this would have like been so confusing for the disciples. The disciples were convinced they knew how this was going to go. Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come here, establish his earthly kingdom, be the king of Israel. Finally, we would be, Israel would be ruling the world. Boom, we got it. And so when, when Jesus comes and predicts his death, it's like, wait, wait, what? I just said he's the Messiah, but how can he be the Messiah if he's going to die? And so then Jesus is going to do something that's he's, to help their belief, to help Peter's belief, to help other people's belief. And he's, we're going to, have to see the transfiguration today. So before we jump into um, Mark chapter 9, let me pray for us and we'll get going. God, we just pray right now as we jump into your word, as we dive into your word, God, that you would illuminate the scriptures in only the way that you can, God. We know we cannot understand anything without you opening our eyes. And so, God, we pray that you open our eyes to your word, God. Help me get out of the way so that you can speak to all of our hearts, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in Mark chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 2. It says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach him. So this transfiguration, Jesus is showing Peter, James, and John who he is, that he is fully human, but he is also fully God. He's showing them what he looks like as God. And, and this is so cool because you see his clothes turn dazzling white. Like, I don't know how good your laundry detergent is, but it's not getting this white. And so this is interesting because in Daniel uh, 7, 9 through 14, Daniel has a vision of Jesus in the end times. And in this vision, Jesus is, is dazzling white. And so you're seeing Jesus um, talk, like pulling out these things that have been prophesied about, right? And so he's showing them who he really is, that he is the same Jesus that is coming back one day. And that's your next point. This Jesus is the same Jesus that is coming back one day. The one that is in Daniel's vision. All right, now look at verse four. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Now, why? This is like getting trippy now at this point, right? Like, like the transfiguration is, is happening. Is, he's turning dazzling white. And now Elijah and Moses show up. Um, and so why Elijah, Elijah and Moses? Both, here, this is interesting. Both Moses and Elijah's passings were mysterious. Elijah ascended into heaven. 
Moses was buried by God himself. It was believed in that time by the Jews that they would be available to bring back um, at some point to be used um, to talk about Jesus's coming um, and establishing his kingdom um, on this earth. And we see that in Deuteronomy 34, um, where, where, where Moses is buried. But then look at this, Matthew 5, 17 through 18. Look at what Jesus says. It says, do not think that I have come to, to abolish the laws or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Moses representing the law, Elijah, the prophets, and Jesus, the fulfillment of both of them. Jesus is showing them, I'm not making this stuff up as I go. Um, I've been, this has been prophesied about. This has been in the works. This has been the plan for me to reconcile the world back to myself. Do you believe it? This is what Jesus is doing here. This is our next point. This Jesus is the Messiah prophesied about in the Old Testament. This Jesus is the Jesus prophesied about in the Old Testament, the Messiah. All right, look at verse five. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I love verse six. It, it's so funny. He said, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. This is such typical Peter. Peter is a nervous talker. Does anybody in here know any nervous talkers? Right, the nervous talkers, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a little bit introverted, um, so I'm fine with a little bit of awkward silence. I filter things out normally before I say them. Um, but nervous talkers, they're the ones who are always putting their foot in their mouth because they get nervous when they're silent, when something is happening, they just start talking, right? And they're not filtering anything and things are just coming out. This is what Peter is doing in this moment. You can even see it in scripture. Like, I didn't know what to say, so I'm just saying stuff. Let me do this. Let me try this. Like, what, what do you want me to do, Jesus? And this is so um, interesting because look at how um, the response to this is. So verse seven. So as Peter's saying these things, here's verse seven. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. Um, by the way, in, this is in the Old Testament, this is a sign of God's presence in Exodus 40. And it said, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. <laughs> so you can just imagine like Peter's doing his nervous talking thing. He's like, okay, hey, let me help. Let me do this. I got an idea, guys. Jesus, I, I know you got this under control, but let, I got an idea. Like, hear, hear me out. And then God shows up in a cloud and says, listen to him. Just listen to him. This reminds me a lot of parenting. This reminds me a lot of my conversations with my three-year-old and my six-year-old um, where I'm trying to tell them how to do something. Um, I'm trying to explain like, hey, listen, buddy, if we're going to build this tower really high, which is your goal, we got to build a solid foundation. He's like, no, dad, no, we're going to go just straight up. No, 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 listen, buddy, I'm 35. You're six. Like, just listen to me. I promise you it'll help. He's like, nope, let me tell you what we're going to do, dad. He's going on and on about these different things. Listen, in this illustration, we're the six-year-old. We do this, don't we? God's telling us, hey, listen, I, I know how this is, needs to go. I wired this world. I know how it works. I know how you work best in it. I'm telling you to go this way, to do this. Just listen to me. And we're going, no. I think my way might be better. I think I might, I think I might know something, God. I'm 35, you're infinite, but I think I might know what I'm doing here. This is what, this is what it feels like um, in, this in this moment with Peter. How often does God simply want us to listen, but we would rather do? How often does God simply want us to listen, but God 
or, but we would rather do. But we would rather do something. This is what we do. We want to fix things. We want to do things. We want to like, hey, let's do it. But God's like, hey, maybe just listen. Maybe just sit and pray and listen because I am the guide and I know what to do. It's, it's Father's Day um, and many a father will understand the feeling of trying to fix everything. Um, it's for whatever reason, it's the way that men tend to be wired is that like whatever the problem is, we want to fix it. We want to fix houses. We want to fix cars, not me, but like real men will fix cars. We want to fix stuff. Um, and like, so like when my wife comes to me with problems that she's having, my immediate go-to is to fix it. And so I get out the whiteboard. I come up with a 10 step plan. There's five sub points under every single step. And she's like, no, I just want you to listen. I just want you to understand. And so then I nod my head and I pretend to understand. I'm just kidding. Um, But this is what it's like, isn't it? This is what it's like when we're with God as well. He just wants us to listen first. Stop trying to do so much because he is our guide. And when we listen first, then, then we know where to go. We know what to do. We know how to take our next steps. Look at verse 8. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Okay, so why did Jesus take all this time and effort to take them up there to show him that, that he is God? Is so they would believe, so it would strengthen their faith, so that they would know he is fully human, that he is fully God, and that he is the Messiah that's been prophesied about. Now, it is interesting, like, why tell them, hey, don't go tell anybody. We also see this at other points where Jesus will heal somebody and be like, hey, don't tell anybody about that, which seems odd to us. But man, I I think, you know, a lot of the scholars would say this, that he's the Messiah. Um, No one understands what that means. People are going to push him into being an earthly king and all these different things. But I think at the end of the day, like God's timing isn't our timing, right? And God had a plan and we see this through all these different steps and his timing doesn't always make sense to us. So Jesus has taken the time to take these three disciples, those closest to him, to show him who he really is, that he is God, he is himself, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Um, And then we're going to see what happens next in Mark 9. So for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of the rest of the chapter because it is a very long chapter. But here's what happens next. They come down the mountain to meet the other disciples. They get there. There's a large crowd around them. The teachers of the law are arguing with the other disciples. So the people see Jesus and they run to meet him. And Jesus asks, hey, what are you guys arguing about? And they go to tell him, a man has brought a young boy who is demon possessed. And they ask the disciples to drive it out. And the disciples couldn't do it. And listen to Jesus' response in verse 19. He says, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Man, Jesus seems like upset here, right? Like he is frustrated. Like really guys? Like why do you need me for this? Which is really interesting because driving out demons seems really hard. Um, But they're they're upset, right? And and why is Jesus upset? Not because they couldn't do it. They were upset because they didn't believe. You see his his response, you unbelieving generation. And we're going to see a little bit more uh, into that here in a little bit. So the guy tells tells Jesus all about the young boy. And he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus' response, if you can, question mark, if you can. 
Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. And then I love the boy's father's response. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You ever felt that? I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. God, I I believe that you can provide you. I just don't know if I believe you will. God, God, I believe that you will will heal my marriage. I, I, I hope you will. I don't know. God, I believe that you can save that family member that's so lost and so far from you. I just, I don't know that I believe you will. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. He was so honest with God about his doubts, about his lack of faith. But here's what was great. He went to the giver of it to ask for help. So here's your next point. Be honest with God about your doubts. Be honest with God about your doubts. I believe, but help my unbelief. Believe this, this father really wanted to believe that he could do this, but he still had heart. You can imagine, like, my boy's been possessed all these years. Is, is this really going to change now? It would be hard to imagine. So Jesus does. He heals this boy. And then later in private, the disciples ask him, why couldn't we drive it out, Jesus? Jesus' reply, this kind can only come out by prayer. So what's happening here? The disciples are trying to do it on their own abilities. They're trying to do it on their own. Like, hey, all right, I've seen Jesus do this. He takes his hand like this. I think he's in this kind of stance. Maybe he waits. I don't know. Maybe we'll try it. We'll see if we can do it. He didn't ask. They didn't ask God. (laughs) They didn't ask God for his power. They're trying to use their own strength, their own power. Oftentimes we try and do everything in our own strength. And then if it doesn't work, then I'll pray about it. Let me try everything first and then I'll go to God. We got to switch it. Let's ask God first. Ask God first. This is, again, pretty typical for uh, men, for fathers trying to do everything on their own. I, I'm, and I'm not preaching at you with that because I'm the absolute worst at that. I'm terrible at asking for help. Um, I can't tell you how many times there's been like a situation where you have to lift something heavy into a truck and I'm like looking around like, I don't need to ask anybody. I got this, or then I can't do it. And then someone else is like, hey, I'll help you. Give me five minutes. I'm like, all right, I've got five minutes to figure out a pulley system so that I can get this up in the truck by myself. This is our wire. We try and do things on our own. We want to believe in our own abilities, but it's God who's got the strength, not us. And so it's like, I believe in God's strength, not my strength. I believe, but help my unbelief. This line um, actually has great meaning to me. Um, three years ago, um, I was in Moldova. I took a a mission trip there. Um, you know, our church does a lot of mission work in Moldova. And as I, as I'm there, God worked a miracle in my life. Um, he, he healed me from something. It's something I've never experienced before in my life. Um, so fat rewind 12 weeks before that I had been struggling with just some extreme back pain and it wasn't like normal back pain. Like I'm in my thirties back pain. It was like this sharp pain in the back and it wouldn't go away. I wasn't sure if it was like a muscle or an organ or like what was going on. I went to doctors. I had x-rays. I had MRIs. I was taking different kinds of medicines. Like nothing was working and it was getting worse. And so I, we were in Moldova this is day two or three um, of that week. And I had like sat down at one point and I, I guess my face was like cringing. Um, and a guy named Michael came over and he was like, hey, what's wrong? Um, and so I told him like this, you know, what had been going on, this, this story of my back. And he goes, you know, 
Um, I almost didn't bring it, but, but God kind of told me at the last minute I need to bring some oil. Um, and he said, can I anoint you, can me and the other guys anoint you with oil tonight and pray over you? Um, and just a little background on me, I grew up super conservative Southern Baptist. I never saw healings. I never saw prophecy. I didn't see speaking in tongues. I didn't see any of this stuff. So I'm going, well, yeah, of course, absolutely, please. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, let's, let's try it, I guess. But I don't know. I've been to the doctors, you know, they, they couldn't get it. So anyway, that night, the, the, it wasn't hurting at that moment. Um, so it wasn't going to be like, uh, I can tell afterwards. So anyway, so they pray over me, they anoint me with oil. They lay hands on me as they're praying over me. I felt my back twitch like involuntarily. But again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, that just, that was a coincidence that just like kind of happened. Like, I, I don't know. And so anyway, they finished praying. I was like, all right, well, thanks. (laughs) I'll, I guess I'll let you guys know (laughs) what happens. So I went, I went to bed. It was nighttime. And man, like this line just came to me and I just, it's all I could pray. And I just prayed it over and over and over again. I said, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I believe, but help my, I didn't know what else to pray. And I just prayed it over and over and over again. I felt God tell me, do you really believe? And I I was like, I believe, but help my unbelief. And he was like, throw away your medicine. (laughs) This is like my lifeline. And I was like, okay, I guess if I'm going to believe, I'm going to say it. So I threw it away in a little trash can right next to me so I could easily get it back out if I needed to. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I guess this doesn't count. So then I took it to a bigger trash can and I threw it away and I was just like, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. The next morning I woke up and my back felt amazing. But again, I'm like, all right, it's early in the morning. I just slept, like maybe later it's gonna come back. All day long, my back felt amazing. First time in a long time. That night, our team comes together um, to meet and debrief today, talk about what God is doing and, and stuff. And again, I felt God saying like, you should probably tell everybody what, what I've done for you. And I'm like, oh, but what if it like comes back tomorrow? Then I'm gonna like be like, yes, God healed me. And then be like, oh, false alarm. <laughs> false alarm didn't actually happen. But again, God was like, do you believe? Do you believe? And I was like, okay. So I told everyone there, I said, God, guys, I believe God healed me from this. Um, and I have no other explanation other than he healed me. And it, I've never felt that back pain again. It's been three years since then. It just went away. And here's what's crazy. I don't even know what God healed me from. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he healed me. Was it minor? Was it major? I have no idea, but I know he healed me. God still works miracles today. He still works miracles today. Do you believe it? So Jesus works this miracle. Um, It's interesting because after this, he's going to predict his death again. So here's what we see. We saw that that in chapter 8, you know, Peter confesses he's the Messiah. He predicts his death, which would be super confusing, takes him up for the transfiguration, shows him, no, I am the Messiah, and then predicts his death again. And so how are the disciples going to respond this way, this time? You know how they respond? They didn't understand, so they argued about who would be the greatest. That was their response. They were walking along going, who's going to be vice president of Israel? You, me, I don't know. It's gonna, I'm, I think I'm probably going to be the greatest. That's what they were doing. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. So then next, here's what happens. Jesus is trying to explain what he's doing. They're still not understanding. 
they get confused, but here's what's happening. Pride is blocking their view of what Jesus is doing. Pride is blocking their view of what Jesus is doing. And this is so true with us because instead of going, hey, let's see what like Jesus is doing, we're, going, we're worried about ourselves. We're worried about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be awesome. He's trying to get them to listen. He's trying to get them to believe in him, not in themselves, where the real source of power comes from. And then this is going to be interesting again because after this, the disciples are walking along. They see somebody else driving out demons that they don't even know who it is. And he's doing it in Jesus' name. And so what do the disciples do? They go tell him, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to stop. And then they went back to Jesus and like, hey, Jesus, we saw some guy. He's driving out demons in your name, but don't worry, we stopped him. And Jesus is like, no, if he's for us, he's for us. He could do it. And you can just imagine, like, you can see what, what God is doing with the disciples right now, right? Like, they try and drive out demons on their own strength. They couldn't do it. Then Jesus preaches this. They're arguing about who's the greatest. And then someone else can do it when they couldn't because that guy had more faith. Man, God is doing something in his disciples right here. Pride says, I believe in my power more than Jesus's power. Pride says, I believe in my power more than Jesus's power. So Jesus is trying to lead them into a belief of him. And here's the next point. When we make things about us, we miss it. When we make things about us, we miss it. So what's Jesus doing here? The transfiguration, driving out demons. Um, he's saying he's the Messiah. He's saying, I'm the one that's going to save. I'm the one that's going to bring salvation. Just me. He's telling them and he's telling us to believe. We've seen he has authority over everything, right? We've seen he's got authority over sickness, demons, Sabbath, the law, storms, matter, gravity, sins, death. But he's saying, believe. Believe. Listen, I don't, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where your doubts are, what you believe God can't do or can, can do or can't do, or what you believe he will do or won't do. But man, have you tried to do it all in your own power? Have you, have, you, have you exhausted yourself trying to do it yourself? Trying to figure out whatever's going on in your life, yourself? Remember what God said, all things are possible for those who believe. All things are possible for those who believe. Healing from sin, from an addiction that maybe you've had for years. God can heal that. Do you believe? Maybe you've got a family member that is so far from God. You think, man, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. They're so far. Maybe if God can save the apostle Paul, he can save anybody. In fact, that's his specialty. Super far from God is his specialty. Man, he can save to believe it. I just got back from student camp this past week. Um, and it's always incredible to, to be at camp and to see what God does in the lives of students. And um, just a little bit um, about me as well. Um, I started being, doing college and adults in January. Before that, I was the student pastor for the last like five years. So I know all the students, most of them really, really well. While we were there, I had a moment um, where God just kind of showed me, like reminded me who he is and what he's doing. And, and this moment was, I was well, I'll, let, me fa let me rewind. Four years ago, three years ago, something like that, there was a young boy at camp. He was a seventh grade boy, and man, he was just trouble. And, and I don't mean like uh, acute trouble. 
I mean like trouble, trouble. He was making everybody's life miserable, his leaders, the people around him. Um, I was up like multiple nights till like 1 a.m. trying to have conversations with him. No remorse, just filled with pride. There's nothing he even saw that he did wrong. Like We were so close to sending him home. We had to call parents, like all this stuff is going on. And as a student pastor, there's always that balance of like, man, he's making everyone's life miserable, but also he really needs to be here. And so we, we let him stay and on that last night, I was in the back of the room, um, and everyone is just, you know, it's last night of camp. People are just worshiping, hands raised, like it's awesome. He's in the back just standing like this, you know, arms crossed. And I just remember God saying, pray. So I reached out a hand, I just prayed over him. And I just prayed, and I, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And as soon as I opened my eyes, I looked up, and I saw his hand go up to start worshiping. <laughs> This year, I was at camp, and I was in the back of the room, and I realized that same kid who's a sophomore now, standing in the back of the room, both hands raised, worshiping God. Man, God's working miracles all the time. Do you believe in what God is doing? On Wednesday night at camp, this, this year, Pastor Jeff gave a message um, all about, do you believe, students? And we saw 34, I don't even know how many kids, but like so many kids got up to go talk to their leaders about salvation or baptism or being called to ministry or repenting from sins in their life. And you know what's amazing about that? Every single one of those students had parents, people, friends who have been praying over them, saying change their lives, change their hearts, and then God just did it. He just did it. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, thank you for being such a good God that we can trust you, that we can follow you, that you, we know that you have what's best for us in our life, God. That when we follow after you, God, you, you take care of us and you love us, God. God, I pray right now for everyone in this room, God, strengthen our faith. We all shout out the prayer, God, we believe, but help our unbelief. Where there's doubts, God, help strengthen our faith. Everyone in here has a different story of something that they are praying for, that they're believing you're going to do in their life, God. And so, God, we lift those up to you. You know all of them, God. We pray that you would work miracles, that you would save, that you would heal. God, just work miracles in life, God. We believe, God, but help our unbelief. Is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you listened in on our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. We would love for you to share our content with the people in your life. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a sermon. Be sure to explore our other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're so thankful for you listeners. See you next time.